G'day guys and welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for another week, episode nine. I'm joined by Blake once again, the Hong Kong hero. How are you, mate? Good, Jason. Always good to be back and what a weekend we got coming up. Oh, if you thought last week was big, how about this week? We've got the Everest, the $15 million race, richest race on turf, as well as the Caulfield Cup, who's, you know, the Caulfield Cup's sort of been the, um, I guess, the the, the wingman this week rather than the the main attraction, which is a bit weird in saying that's a prestigious group one race in Australia. But um, obviously the Everest with all the money involved and the controversy, it just brings a big light to that race day. However, we've got to head back to last week, as we always do, a bit of a review on last week. Once again, I, I don't know what we can just continue saying. Like, I've just got to keep tooting our horns for us. Best bets. Again, two from two, Blake. Do you yes, Run us through it, Blake. Run us through it. Well, well, see, what happened was earlier in the week, I, I, I checked my phone one morning and I had a message from Beep. I think everyone's everyone knows who Beetlejuice is. He uh he sent me a he sent me a text and he and he goes, Oh yeah, I, I got this uh I got this inside inside mail that uh Palel's gonna run really, really well. And so I was like, Oh shit, well, I better better just declare it then. I better just declare it. And so I did on my socials. <laughs> You know what? I was looking at your Snapchat the other day. Like, I guess people might need to you might need to drop your Snapchat tag because I saw I saw the beat man saying Pulele was the best bet of the weekend. So you know what? You're pretty lucky, Blake. You've got the beat by your side. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping you've secured him again this week for another best bet. Regardless, I, I got a, a notification on my own on Monday morning from a person called CGInsight.com.au. Um, and they declared on Thunderstruck. So good on the blokes that have the subscription package. Oh, that's sorry, right? That's me. Fuck, what about that? But no, I'm Thunderstruck. It was good. A bit of ACDC was playing on the way to the bloody Thai restaurant on Saturday night just to, you know, get a bit of food after the big win. So there's a lot of Definitely. people that got on it. Huge multi slips. I was going through the bloody at Campbell's Gambles social media pages. So it was, it was a good day once again for us. So hopefully we can keep it up with the best bets. We've got to talk about the group ones now. Um, Animo scored... Group one glory once again in the Caulfield Guineas over the mile. What did you think of the run, Blake? And what did you think of the race as a whole? Uh, great racing spectacle. spectacle. Um, like I said, I think last week on the podcast, it's always an extremely uh, challenging betting proposition, those races. Uh, and we got more coming up this weekend. So I wasn't, like, I mean, it was just great to see Animo win. Uh, that's, that's the way I saw it. And I, it was a great race overall. So, I wasn't, you know, upset or over the moon with the result. It's, um, it was a great win by Anima and and he's he's just continuing to perform from the two year old up to three year old now, and he just continues to impress. So it was a great win. Yep. Next stop for Animo, the Cox Plate with forty nine and a half kilos, and I was uh, myself. I was very pissed off in that race because I jumped off Buddy Captivon. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I, I knew I knew he was going well, and oh, I found like six dollars place. Goodness gracious me! Anyway, yeah, 49 and a half kilos for Animo in the Cox Plate, ridden by Craig Williams. We're going to speak about him now. We're going to have a little rant. This is off contract. Uh, this is off Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, baby. Craig Williams, if you are listening, what it, you just can't treat my girlfriend, Brooklyn Hustle, like that. And I, I don't know, Blake, do, do you want to talk about it? Like, I thought that was one of the worst rides I've seen in three years. And I love Craig Williams. But since I've gotten to horse racing, that was one of the most brain-dead rides I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I've voiced my opinion a few times on this already on social media, and uh, I've I've uh, yeah, I'm I'm a bit over I'm a bit over repeating myself now with the ride, but I think ever it's like I mean the the replays there for everyone to watch. It just it didn't make any sense why he would go up the inside of Dirty Thoughts there when basically if he stayed outside dirty thoughts dirty thoughts will take the rail because like a horse is never going to stay one off the rail when there's no horse underneath it and then craig williams literally ends up in the spot that dirty thoughts was in and runs the exact same run 
that Dirty Thoughts did to win and wins by further because he's on a better horse. And like the the finishing position of Brooklyn Hustle when she had absolutely no room, didn't get out of first gear is, is evidence enough to suggest that had she had any room, which she should have from the widest gate in the race, like she would have bolted in. So disappointing, but I mean, like I, 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 I can't put it, like as much as you know, it was a bad ride. Craig Williams is a great jockey, and you know he get he does get it right plenty of times. Like he's he's got the he's got the results you know behind him to show that he he's one of the best jockeys in the country. Um, but you know it just goes to show they they all get it wrong sometimes, and I think he did get it wrong that time. Yep, agreed. On review on. Uh, on Sunday night and Monday morning, I looked at the sectionals out of the race and Brooklyn Hustle ran the fastest last 200 metres out of the race while she was stuck in first gear while Craig was trying to get her in the clutch. And, oh, oh don't want to talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> we, move on, we move on. We move on. Craig will bounce back this week. Best of luck to you, Craig, even though you're not listening. But good on you, Craig. Um, I guess the other talking point was Profondo, the very smart um, cult. Um, and I heard there was talk from overseas today about apparently sending him over there or something, but I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I saw an article, I don't know how, how truth, uh, how truthful that was, but apparently he's got to be um, on the prospect of being an R course. Apparently I'm just, just seeing things that I saw. I don't know how, how much truth that and what are the chances of that happening, but yeah, <laughs> he's a smart horse on the way up and we can talk about him in future, I guess episodes in autumn because he's got to get targeted at the Queen Elizabeth apparently. So that's one for our, I guess that might be a bit of a profondo, very elegant versus Dave versus Saki, <laughs> which might be an absolute mouth ordering clash, but regardless, let's head on to the future. Now, Blake, we've got three races to cover this weekend. The first race we'll cover is the Caulfield cup. And for that, we've got to head to the track conditions, weather bias, our weather and track bias at Caulfield. So the weather for Saturday, it's going to be 16 degrees and raining. The rail is in the true position. Jeez, there's a lot of rain forecasted tomorrow. Fifth, uh, 15 to 13 millimetres of rain tomorrow. And on race day, 6 to 10 millimetres. Track's currently a soft six. However, if any of that above-mentioned rain hits, we're in trouble. It's going to be a very, very wet track. Uh, Blake, track bias, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I think the inside will chop out and I think that horses will be running on. We've seen in B races, you know, with these huge fields that the pace, you know, isn't, is definitely not slow. Um, you know, there's just too many horses for that to happen. So, you know, if it is horses make mid race moves in, in big races like the Caulfield cup. So I, I don't think it's going to be any chance of it being a sit and sprint and with the inside potentially chopping out, I think you know, horses wide will probably be advantaged, if anything. Yeah, I agree with you. Wide barriers might be actually a good thing this week. So I guess watch and assess the first couple of races, see where they're winning from. They're winning from off-speed, on-speed, wide barriers, inside barriers. But I have to agree, I think the inside will chop out. Regardless, the first race we'll be covering, and the only race we'll be covering, is Race 9, the Group 1 CC, Caulfield Cup, not the Canadian clubs. Jeez, clubs <laughs> are open Friday night. Oh, I feel sorry if you're a Canadian club because JC's got to get his hands on you. <laughs> I've been waiting for one off the tap. Jeez. But anyway, the bottles haven't been working too well, but the tap ones, oh, put a bit of lime in it. God. Anyway, <laughs> that's off track. Incentivize is your 240 favorite in this race. Um, he's drawn Barrier Car Park. And we're talking about this earlier, Blake. Do you, do you want to explain to the viewers what we were, like what our analogy was, like in regards to like car park, Westfield type stuff? Oh, well, you know, it's, 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 it's <laughs> he's got, he's got barrier 20 and he's probably going to end up with 18. So two we'll emergencies, see. not, not probably yeah. in 18 regardless. Well, yeah. I mean, unless he ends up lower with more, but, oh, yeah. um, but regardless, he'll, he'll at least drop two places. So it's like, it's like pulling into the car park and pinching someone's spot. who's leaving a little bit closer, but you're still in the bloody car parks. <laughs> so, um, there's like spots like further down in the car park and you see like a couple with a trolley with a baby like crying, like walking towards their car. And then the guy like opens the car and you're like, you go out, you like you roll your window down. You're like, are you leaving? Like, yeah. And you wait for them to move, but okay, it's not going anywhere, but you get the gist. <laughs> so, um, I get, and the people have been saying they love the, uh, the comedy in this, in this podcast. So I guess we're rolling with it, but not so well this yeah. week. Uh, regardless, let's, let's get into horse racing. Uh, incentivize. Can he win from That's that barrier? And can he win from that barrier? And price-wise, do you reckon he'll drift? Because I reckon he has to. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Well, first of all, the barrier is just just horrific for him. He he's a go forward horse, and from that wide, you literally have to. I mean, I think you just have to uh, show your head early and just try and beat every other horse. I think out like obviously, there's not a single horse drawn outside you, so you're going to have to be faster than you know every every horse under you if you want to get to the rail. Um, and most you have to beat most of them out if you want to get even close to the rail. So um, it, it doesn't look good. And with a horse that's that short, it's just such a such a low percentage play and just such a risky play that I, I can't go anywhere near it. But in terms of him drifting, I think, you know, given that he should, um, will he? Well, I think, I mean, I, I put it this way, I can't see him shortening at all. And so, I mean, I'd have to say, yeah, if, if anything happens, he does drift. But uh, then, then again, with the form that he's shown and, you know, sort of his dominance coming into the race, it's, you know, it's still going to have him heavily uh, as favourite, I think, regardless of the barrier. But, yeah, not for me. What yeah. you? No, fair enough. Uh, like, honestly, a lot of the speed maps that they're currently putting out, he actually maps pretty well from the speed map point of view. But I just can't help to think that these jockeys aren't going to want to play quotation jockey close quotation and be a bit of a you know what and push up and just you know he's got the target on his back he's the best horse in this race by you know quite a bit um judging on off ratings and figures and whatnot and what he's produced so far in in this preparation alone let alone last preparation and so i i just can't see how they're going to make it easy and just let him cross at his own measure so he's got to use up a lot of petrol early and for that reason i don't want to touch him and also the weather he hasn't run on a heavy track before. His best win on a wet track was a, um, it was soft. It was a soft seven. It was a class two handicap um, in Sunshine Coast. He won by a length. So, you know, he won. He won a soft five last start on the Turnbull. But you know, this could be a heavy nine, probably heavy, almost heavy yeah. ten if all that rain comes. So that's another question mark. And for that reason, I don't want to touch him at that price. I'm happy to play two here. Not a race I want to bet in personally, but you know we do have money to play with, so and we have we have to give a tip out. So the two I want to play, um, I want to play that Turnbull Stakes form. I'm um, speaking to Blake earlier. Six of the mm-hmm. last ten winners have come through the Turnbull race, other than the two internationals that have won over the last um, 2018, 2019. So six of the last eight Australian winners have come through that race. Uh, race. I thought the best run, other than incentivized personally myself, was Young Werther. Um, sexually wise, he wasn't as good. Explosive Jack was another one. They're the, they're the two I want to play in this race. 25 each way on, the, on both of them. Um, Young Worth, uh, Explosive Jack, my bad. He's the, he's the Derby King. Over this distance, he's had three starts for two wins and a third. He's won the Australian Derby. He won the South Australian Derby. And he came third behind Kukaracha and Senior Tobo in the Queensland Derby. Um, he loves this distance. He's third up now. He's ready to peak. And this has been an obvious target race, in my opinion. He's got decent enough form on soft track. Never tried on heavy track. But to be fair, he won a soft six in group one level at Randwick, which is a you know soft six at Randwick is probably more like a soft seven at Caulfield because Randwick's quite a cushy surface. Uh, and as I said, the other one, Young Werther. I think Young Werther comes through the same race, somewhat scared, incentivized. Um, he's also third up. And, you, you know, you're getting you're getting like four times the price for these horses compared to incentivize at that price. And you're getting the same... Again, the same price for them to place rather than him just to win the race. So I think, I think, in my opinion, I think they're the two that, you know, if I had a gun to my head, I'd be playing those two. So, Blake, who have you landed in? Um, okay, well, just, you know, along along the same sort of lines and the same form, there's a, a horse at huge, huge, huge odds that I want to point out that I have some interest in. And uh, like you said, Jason, it's this is not really a race that you typically, or, you know, as a... Um, you know, you don't you don't really see as a as a potential money winning uh, race. The rain, the rain, and the uncertainty just makes it so much harder. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, regardless of any of that, it's just you know, it's it's a raffle pretty much. Like you know, so much luck comes into play when you have so many horses running in this running in the same race. Um, but Chapada ran third in the same race that that Young Verda ran second to incentivize and drops four kilos. Um, so is, is pretty much one of the best weighted out of that race. And in my, uh, I've seen Chapada run all of his, I've seen him, seen him in all of his runs, this prep, uh, in the yard and during the race. And I've thought that he's going pretty well, 
Um, he's a horse who is, you know, he's been placed in, in big races sort of of this nature uh, f- quite frequently. And I think his three runs in this prep have all shown me that he's going well enough. Um, you know, whether he's, whether he's that, that superstar horse that, you know, some of these other horses towards the top of the market are like, you know, obviously your incentivizers and if young Verda shows up, you know, there's been a lot of hype around him, but I think Trapato is a horse at $71 that, you know, you sort of more or less know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get a decent run. He's got good form. You know, he's got these, he's got, had the runs at the distance. He's had the runs at the track, you know, he's, he's fourth up now. So he'll be fit enough. Um, and he's a horse who I think has the right kind of setup in terms of the barrier as well. He's drawn very wide in 18, but he's a horse who's just going to flop out of the gates. The uh, Stackhouse isn't going to, you know, do anything stupid. He's not going to drag him back to last and he's not going to push him out uh, to first or to try and lead. He'll just sort of let him, let him settle, uh, hopefully in the three wide running line or, or somewhere with cover. And then he'll be one of those horses just kind of chiming in around the turn or making a, a bit of an early move. So Chapada is one at huge, huge, huge odds who I will be having a close look at in the yard to potentially play. Um, and I, the, the sort of consistent consistency uh, during the preparation is, is a, uh, is a key kind of indicator for me in, in races like this that I like to sort of, uh, go off the back of and obviously with big races like this most most horses are in good form or have shown good form sort of all throughout their preparation but two standouts for me uh, actually three but one that i'm not tipping because uh craig williams is aboard and he just doesn't have the record at caulfield that i like to see um but obviously so that gives away non-conformist is the one that i'm not tipping but the other two are the chosen one who i think first up ran a great, great race at the Valley over 1600 meters. And that sort of set up the, uh, uh, that kind of put the writing on the wall for me to say that he's going to have a good prep. And I think, you know, this is a, this is his target race. If not, you know, or, you know, if it's not his target race, it's one of his target races. Um, and so this is, if he's, if he is going as well as, you know, his first up run and his last run suggest, this is the race that they're going to have him ready for. Um, D lane is a massive, massive, massive booking for me. He's he's a jockey who 110%, you know what you're going to get out of. He's a great jockey. He's won races like this before. I think he won on Murder Glass, uh, what, two years ago. Um, and the horse has drawn well in gate nine. So the chosen one's a great each-way bet for me. Um, and the other horse is Montefilia. If the rain comes, I know that she's going to handle it just fine. Um, that run last time at Ramwick from gate 13 was an absolute blinder. Uh, she's got gate 12 this time, so she's going to probably have to do something similar. But John McNeil aboard, 52 kilos. I know what I'm going to get out of her. She's going, she's absolutely flying this prep. She's had a third, second, and first in a three run. So um, I'm quite happy to take Montefilia as well at the HOA odds. Beautiful. All right, that's our Caulfield Cup little preview for the listeners. We're going to head to the JC Trial Files right now. And, uh, yeah, once again, we had another winner last week. Um, what was the horse? What was the horse? Eagle Farm. Eagle Farm. Yeah, so so for that reason, it, it only fell in that horse. So for that reason, I'm just going to, you know, rein it back in a little bit. But it's in Narromine. I have no idea where Narromine is. All I know is in the country in the Wales somewhere, but God knows the up, down, you know, turn around. But regardless, Saturday, race four, number four, Trotel Bragar. Don't know how to even pronounce it, but that's not really doing, um, I guess, the, the, the listeners' confidence any any good. But <laughs> race four, number two, um, just call him Big T. Let's call him oh, Mr. T. Mr. T. Okay, so Mr. T, for whatever reason, I was watching the Dubbo trials on the 1st of October. Whatever reason, I don't normally go to the Dubbo. However, this guy really caught my attention. You know why? He's absolutely bred to perfection. Sire Snitzel, damn overreach. Overreach, she was a group one winning mare in the golden slipper on a wet track. What more could you want? It's a soft seven currently in narrow mind, bit of rain around over the next uh, two days, 48 hours, whatever you want to call it. Um, he should be able to handle the track. I thought the trial was really good. He looks the ultimate professional. He, he jumped out well, he relaxed, and he looked a little bit green straight. However, you know, Jake Tracy Holmes was on board that day. He's on board race day. He was looking left, looking right. He's looking at his competition. He clearly had a bit of horse in hand. Um, he draws perfectly in barrier four. Cody Nesta has a great first up record. He's a bit of a, 
I don't know. Maybe he's a gambler man, gambling man himself. He just loves getting them ready first up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's narrow mind for goodness sakes. You know, this horse, this horse wouldn't look out of place in, in the city with that type of breeding. So that's, I don't know what price is going to open. Marcus probably won't even open up to bloody, you know, 10 minutes before the race. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just, just put him in your black book or something, you know, shortlist him, whatnot. So narrow mind race four, number two, big T, Mr. T, whatever you want to call him. All right, Blake, hot. take it over. Hot. Hot, yeah. Very hot. Four in a row. Four in a row. <laughs> okay. That's five. That's we hit it. five last time. We lost one. Now, now I think we're like eight, eight from nine or something. Ridiculous record. On fire. Absolutely on fire. Um, we're going to Hong Kong on Sunday. Uh, it's, it's a very, very tough card from race one to race 10. There are two group twos on the, on the card. So it's a big, big meeting in Sha Tin, uh, in Hong Kong at Sha Tin. And uh, the only horse so far, obviously the markets don't open until Sunday, so it's hard to get a gauge on, on where the value is and, and, you know, what sort of the uh, well-supported short price favourites are going to be. Um, but there is a horse in race three who I will be keeping an eye on when the markets open on Sunday. It goes by the name of Falcon Turbo. Uh, now, this horse has been a class three horse for the better part of two seasons, last season and the season before that. Uh, he's now a seven-year-old, so you know his, his best days are probably behind him. But he's dropped into class four at the end of last season and he's changed stables and he's had one run at the start of this season. Uh, that was with Jerry Chowboard, who most, you know, some of these, some of the listeners might know from Australia. He's an apprentice in Hong Kong and he and he'll claim the 1.5 kilos and the horse has drawn barrier one. He was drawn barrier three last time. Uh over the 1200 meters and he's sticking to the same track and distance this time jerry chow's on board again and last time he was just held up a little bit too long on the rail uh to actually catch the the eventual winner so i think second up now that the stable change is a massive 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 tick for me in hong kong that's a big big sign and you usually see horses running well as soon as the the stable change occurs obviously the, the recent drop in class um i think this horse will be very short um he'll he'll probably be close to favorite but there is another horse who I expect to take up uh, quite a lot of the market percentage by the name of Awesome Treasure, who's a debutante for the Hayes team. Um, and as as you know, the the Hayes team uh, are pretty pretty accurate with getting their horses ready on debut. Um, so it will, it'll be interesting to see what price Falcon Turbo opens with that horse in the race. But that's one I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, no, no sort of absolute best bets or absolute standouts for me so far. That's just the one I'm keeping an eye on. Well, three massives and two bigs from Blake in the same sentence. So I'm happy to follow that in. <laughs> but um, anyway, we're going to head to Randwick now. We've got two races to cover at Randwick, two of the biggest races on the card. As always, track conditions first. Weather on Saturday is going to be 23 and cloudy. The rail has been put back in the true position been pelting rain today been absolutely thunderstorming and everything scary outside i was watching a movie like a couple of hours ago i was like Ugh. i thought that was from the movie but that was outside it's apocalyptic yeah it's absolutely apocalyptic. i don't know how much millimeters of rain has fallen in the last like two or three hours but my lord there's like swimming pools outside so <laughs> kids get your floaties on and go for a little swim don't worry about the local pools opening up you got one outside your front doorstep anyway regardless <laughs> track is currently a soft seven or well, as of an hour ago it's probably a heavy 33 now but uh, race day, as I, I think, race day, race day has to be minimum a soft seven. It's probably got to be in heavy rain mm. based off the rain that's fallen. And then, um, however, you know, it, it could clear up over the next um, forty-eight hours. But you know, I think the damage has been done. Blake, track bias, inside chop out again for you. Yeah, yeah. I last uh, last meeting at Ramwick, we saw sort of the even bias come into play. A few horses, or quite a few horses, making ground around the outside. So I think that will continue and probably. I mean, if anything, be even more uh, sort of obvious this meeting, given it's the second meeting in, a, in seven days that they've got on the track. So with all the rain, uh, it, yeah, I think that's that's probably what we'll see. Beautiful. All right, let's head into our first race that we'll be covering. It'll be race five, the Kosciuszko for country trained horses only. Current favourite is Handle the Truth, who hasn't, been, hasn't faced a country horse in about three years. <laughs> um, he's he's four dollars fifty in this field. Um, do you want to run us over the speed map, Blake? Is there any horses here of note that we're going to take up a forward running? Uh, there are a few. 
There are a few. Uh, I think it's important to note this is, you know, with the, the with all the country horses, it's going to be very similarly run to a highway, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be pretty quick uh, with, 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 in terms of the tempo. Um, Nataraja from, from gate two is probably going to, probably going to lead. Yeah. Um, but Arcado will probably be pretty close. Um, won't want to sort of let that low draw go to waste. Uh, there are a few out wide that will will probably press forward as well. Ice in Vancouver, ceasefire, um, maybe maybe Plonka, but I think Plonka will probably try and settle somewhere in behind the speed. Um, it doesn't look too fast on paper, but it's yeah. I think it's always important to keep in mind that these are the it's the the big country race, so. Um, I don't think they'll be sitting around waiting for anything. Yeah. No, it's a country race worth a million dollars, which doesn't happen every day, obviously. So for that reason alone, you got to think that there's some horses here that would generally sit midfield or box seat and they probably want to go, you know, go a bit, you know, antsy and, and try and get a much better position. I agree with you. I think Ice and Vancouver here from Barry 12, Tim Clark on board, he can come across here and, you know, really put a bit of pressure on Nataraja. I think it's a really interesting race. Um, I think it's a pretty weak edition this year compared to last year. Um, and for that reason, I'm with Handle the Truth. He is the, the oldest runner in this field and he is the most experienced runner in his field. And he is a Kosciuszko, a former winner two years ago when he beat Victorum home. Um, yeah, I just think this year, it's just a matter of fact where there's a lot of horses on the up and they've got potential. However, I just feel like the, the bubble might burst with a few of them, especially horses like Nataraja. I think... Uh, that running style would is not going to be sustainable. 1,200 metres, high pressure, rain, we on a wet track. Um, yeah, that just, yeah, if that horse wins, be pretty surprised in my opinion. Um, and there's just a few horses in this race that I'm just like, uh, you know, Ice in Vancouver shown a bit of potential. Yeah, fair enough. Island Bay Boy, yeah, fair enough. Sunrise Ruby, you know, she's probably the one that, out of them all, it's probably the one that's shown me that she's a bit more two-dimensional and she could do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, handle the truth. Like what, what more, I, I don't really need to say anything about him. You know what you got to get with him. He came, he won this race two years ago. He came fourth last year behind It's Me. If It's Me was in this race this year, she'd be odds on again because, you know, she's probably, you know, I, I don't know what, how she's going now, the setback and whatnot, but, you know, she looks like she has obvious group ability. Um, and, you know, since he's run fourth in that race, you know, he's raced against, you know, Nature Strip and Eduardo was his last start. For, you know, you're not... You know, you look at the form guide, he's come seventh of eighth and his last run before that was fourth of eighth. And it doesn't look too good heading into this race when you've got a lot of horses that have won their last start. But, you know, you got to take a bit of a grain of salt there. So I think he's the one I want to be with. And then of the lightly raced horses, I think the one that has the most um, potential and the one that has the most untapped potential would be the Kiwi horse edit. I thought first up at, where was it, Tamworth? Yeah, just insane win. Watch the replay. It was he never looked like winning that race. It was a big drift on race day and he stormed home to win softly in the end. So, you know, you'd like to think Kiwi Horse could handle the wet track. Never seen on a heavy track, never won on a soft track. So that might be a bit of a concern, but I'm hoping the um, the Irish dam line just kicks in and <laughs> he can swim. But <laughs> handle the truth, the main play for me. Blake? Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Handle the truth uh, is is quite clearly the one to beat for me. And I think the odds are pretty good uh considering the draw you've got nash on board you know you know what you're going to get from him this it doesn't look too much that can go wrong for the horse uh, he handles he handles the heavy ground three starts for two wins and a second placing he looks like he more than handles it to be honest but um yeah the, the only real concern for me is just the the big weight but like when you look at what he's coming up against and what he's been running in like his last two starts, like you said, Jason, he's been racing against the best of the best, like the absolute best of the best. And now he's coming up against country horses. It doesn't matter, you know, what the what that country race is worth. Yeah. He's coming up against country horses after running against horses who are going around in the best sprint race probably in the world yeah. on the same yeah. day. So, um, yeah, for me, he's the one to beat. But um, there are two horses that I do want to play uh, just at the each way price, I think. Um, you know, we saw It's Me win last start and It's Me is, well, even before that win had, you know, had all eyes on the horse because was cl clearly had just above average, well, well above average ability. Um, so that was, that was, you know, sort of a clear standout that 
um, in that race. But for this race, I think the closest um, sort of in terms of performances and the way that she's going is Sunrise Ruby. And you did mention this briefly, Jason. Um, I really, really, I really, really think this horse does have good ability. I don't think it's the same as it's me. And, you know, if it was, she'd be a lot shorter. Um, but I think the horse should be undefeated this this preparation. I think last start um, at, at the Ken, on the Kenzo track in the heavy in the heavy going, there weren't too many horses who made any ground that day, and she was just sat behind the eventual winner, Calgary Queen. Um, once she got off heels, she made up a little bit of ground on that winner, but it was just you know it was too little, too late by the time she actually got out on the heavy going. Um, I think a massive, massive, massive plus for Sunrise Ruby is that she's well performed on the heavy going and it's almost guaranteed to be a heavy track, whether it's rated heavy or not, it's going to be an absolute slog. I think, um, especially come race five with the, um, with the track there. So gate four for me is good. Glenn boss aboard is, is a big tick as well. I think sunrise Ruby is, you know, sort of that up and comer that I, um, or at least the best of the up and comers for me. And then Mr. Hustle is probably the second best for me or, or another one that I just want to have something on in case. Regan Bayless is going really well. Barrier six, again, is a great draw. He can settle midfield just like Sunrise Ruby can. And he's one that just always puts in a finish. He always puts in a finish. Um, and he's he's done it every – he hasn't missed a placing in his six starts so far in his career. He's a six-year-old as well. So although he's lightly raced, he, he does have that age – uh, factor i guess on his side i would say and he doesn't have too much weight he's got 55 kilos so that's not too bad so the three i'm looking at are handle the truth and then sunrise ruby and mr hustle beautiful all right good luck to all connections to that race it's it's always good to see the country trainers and i guess jockeys i don't know if there's oh uh, yeah matthew palmer's here so it's good to see them get a bit of uh, recognition on the big stage on a huge day of racing we're head to race seven now the biggest race of the day um, the Everest, $15 million, richest race on turf. Current favourite is Nature Strip now. <laughs> Been a big move um, just because just of that rain probably. Um, actually, no, Brad Davison has sent it out as his best bet of the weekend. Look at that. He has influence in the market, Brad Davison, the greatest tipster in Australia currently. Um, <laughs> second to Blake Laylor. <laughs> oh, anyway, yes. Um yeah, let me let me just start with this Everest. Um, as I said last week, um, yeah, sh- shittest Everest in since they've started, in my opinion. I just think it's terrible this year. I just don't think there's much depth to this field, um, which is making it probably a little bit more tricky because I just don't know if there's any stand. Oh, the standout horse is Classic Legend, in my opinion. I think if it was a good four, darn this rain. If it was a good four or a soft five, I think he'd be shitting in once again. If I'm being completely honest, JC's gone rogue once again this weekend. Um, and all the people that are saying, oh, you know, high pressure race, 1200 meters, blah, blah, blah. He bled in Hong Kong. He's had the worst preparation ever, blah, blah, blah. You can't base his Hong Kong form on his Australian form. You've got to completely scrap whatever he did in Hong Kong. Some horses just don't acclimatize. It's the same thing with international horses that come here. You know, so what if they want a group one in England? Doesn't mean they've got to, you know, win a group one in Australia. It's just completely different beast. As soon as he's come back to Australia, he's looked, you know, as good as he has when he left in, in his recent trials, his second trial was absolutely phenomenal, in my opinion. When he was asked to go, um, you know, he just literally sprinted. You could see his tail, like, swishing in the wind. Like, just like, it was so magical to watch. And the reason why he hasn't run first up, because they didn't have time to run him first up, because second up is, is when he drops off. He peaks first up and third up. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with him running into the race first up. The only thing I'm worried about is, is the rain, because Classic Legends is a horse that, you know, he has proven in the past that his wheels can spin a little bit. I know his wet track record looks good. However, I know the team and I know they would love a good track with him, but they're not going to get that. So uh, it's hard, but I'm going, I'm going with Nature Strip in this race. I'm going with Nature Strip. I, ju- I just think on the wet track, he's just probably the best sprinter in Australia on, on the wet tracks. I think, you know, he's, he's record two from two on wet tracks. Both wins were at group one level in the Galaxy and the TJ Smith last year. Um you know, that run the shorts, Eduardo, you know what? Fair and square beat him. Out, out, out fought him. Absolute bulldog, Eduardo. And kudos to Eduardo. But, you know, Nature Strip was probably entitled to have a, you know, a day off, I guess, second up. Where third up, he's had seven starts for five wins, which is just ridiculous. 
Um, if he's ever going to win an Everest, this is going to be his year because, you know, he probably doesn't have much long left, to be fair. He is a seven-year-old now, and, you know, this time next year he's going to be an eight-year-old. You know, you don't see many eight-year-olds winning the Everest. thought the trial the other day against Home Affairs, probably one of the best pieces of work I've ever seen Nature Strip produce based on the fact that he didn't have – he didn't – he literally just sat – outside him was able to relax and through the line it was actually really strong normally he's the opposite normally he starts fast gets to the front and then they you know they ease him up on the line uh barrier 10 everyone's winning him at the barrier barrier's perfect you don't want an inside draw with nature ship because he's always a you know a step or two slow so now he actually gets time to work into his rhythm he can sit just off eduardo um and i think he's probably the horse to beat here the other horse obviously i'm just taking that shorts form i think Gitra was you know blake will probably mention this Desperately unlucky in that race. Um, and I think Barry One person, I don't think it's much of a, a, a um, disadvantage. I've never seen Barry One as a disadvantage. If you had Barrier 12, you know, I'd love to see people kicking up a storm and whinging. Um, and I don't think, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I, I don't think, um, I think if you had Barrier One last year, in last year's Everest, he probably could have went close to winning that race. And and I heard Jamie Richards um, say through the week that the jockey, Jason Collett, came off the horse last year and said, Oh, I wish we had barrier one. So now you've got your barrier one, Jason Collett. So um, I think they're they're the three. Classic Legend, Nature Strip, Gitra. Eduardo is probably the other one I'm sort of talking towards. If anything else in the race wins, then yeah, I'll be very surprised. I just don't think they, they line up anywhere near those four. Blake? <laughs> Interesting because because uh, I've taken a completely different approach there. But um <laughs> But back to back to what you did say about Classic Legend. First of all, um, this is this is the horse who is my main play in the race. Um, and what you what you said about Hong Kong, obviously having done work with uh, the Hong Kong racing and tipping over there for almost what three years now, um, it's it, it's it, it's honestly very unlikely, or it's very very rare to see horses go over to Hong Kong and acclimatize you know within like literally for a first up run in a group one race that like oh, what were they like, expecting yeah honestly i think you know it was it was fair enough like what the horse had done winning the everest it was fair enough to go and try and you know you might as well you know play your cards and just have a have a crack but you know and it's easy to say in hindsight as well but seriously like going into a group one first up from australia to hong kong is probably the most stupid racing play like racing decision uh you know all up and i just want to you know sort of allude to like we've seen horses go over there as well like shadow hero and there are horses that go over to hong kong all the time um that get either either sold you know to hong kong or, or whatever the case is and even the ones that do end up running well, don't do it for a very, very long time. It, sometimes it takes months for them to to acclimatize and it, sometimes it takes some preparations. Like they have to Let have a whole preparation. There. Let me hop in there. One for the viewers, Blake. Blake, if you see on the um, stewards report post-race that a horse has bled, what do you do with that? In my personal opinion, complete pen job. You can't you do anything off that run. What about you? Yeah, no, no, same, same. But so then, but, why are people talking shit about him going over to Hong Kong and failing because he bled? So like, I, I don't know. You know, I guess why don't you go out and run a hundred meters? I punch you in the nose and you're bleeding. See how you feel. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. Well, I think I think see, I think um, I'm, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Shadow Hero bled in his first preparation in Hong Kong as well. Yeah. Um, and they, I, I don't know what they're doing with him now, but they, he's not he's not racing in Hong Kong now, so whether he's coming back to Australia or what, what they're doing with him, I'm not he sure. Was, but I think he, he did. That, he came back to Australia, but he bled again in a trial. So Yeah, yeah. See, so, um, like, that, you know, the bleeding and, and the acclimatisation, I think, you know, uh, are somewhat related. I'm, I'm obviously not a, a vet expert or any <laughs> any of that business, but... But yeah, it's they definitely they definitely have to be have to be related somehow. But look, the fact that Classic Legend went over there, bled, it, he trialed exceptionally well in Hong Kong before he actually did, had that race as well. Um, he's come back and shown in the trials that he's the same horse that left Australia. So I've got no problem with the fact that he did fail and bleed in a in a Group One race first up in Hong Kong. To me, that's just you know it's not even really something to consider. But um, Classic Legend having won last year, I think, is the horse to beat again. 
I think, you know, I do agree with what you said. I think Nature Strip, this is probably his best chance to win it. But for me, just with the 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 way that a, an Everest is run, and I've heard you say this to me plenty of times, in the, right. even in the lead up to this year's Everest, Jason. My, that run against my own bloody saying. It's it's a, it's a fourteen hundred meter race, yeah. and and so like I, I personally have queries. I, I'd much rather see Nature Strip run over a thousand meters compared <laughs> to twelve hundred meters, and then it's a fourteen hundred meter race. What? So like I mean, yeah, I do agree. Third up is great. He was entitled to have that sort of off run second up. This is his best year, his best chance to win it. And Waller's been all over him saying that you know he's going better than ever. So you know. Does he deserve favoritism? I think so. Um, I think, yeah, he. This is his best chance to win it. But I think Classique Legend, you know, for me, has all the run, all the ability there. He's shown it. He hasn't shown that, you know, he's he's any different to what he was last year when he won it. He sets up perfectly. Gate five. He's not going to be back dead last. He knows how to jump out of the gates well, and he's shown it in the trials. He's going to be midfield at worst. Um, and I think even if it is a bog track. He, he won't be that far back. He won't have to make up that much ground in the straight. So he's got the finish on him to to run over the top of those horses. Um, so I think he's the one out of those sort of top four in the market that um, is going to be hard to beat. That's for me anyway. Um, and and what you said about Geetra, I think, well, you know, you said you, that I was going to touch on this, so I will. Um, I think if there was any horse I want to take out of that last run, it's Geetra, just based on the fact that I know the tempo in this race is going to be no slower than it was last time when Nature Strip, Eduardo and Geetra met. And given Geetra ran right up the heels of Nature Strip and Eduardo and basically would, would have won the race if he got out, um, I think he's the only one that I could really have a play on. And uh, given he's better odds than both of them again, um, and he's got gate one and he handles the he handles the wet tracks. He's the only one out of those three that I would even consider having a play on personally. Um, but the two that I am having a play on away from Classic Legend are Trekking and Mask Crusader. Now, Mask Crusader for me sets up as sort of the, the fresh blood in the Everest because what we've seen previously is we've seen Red Zill dominate it. And then we saw yes, yes, yes come in as sort of the you know the dark horse or just kind of come out of nowhere and win it as a three-year-old. Um, Nature Strip, Classic Legend, Eduardo, Geetra, Trekking, they've all been there. Like these are the these are the horses who have been around. We've seen them run plenty of times. And like I said, Classic Legend is probably the best out of them for a race like this. Whether he is better than Nature Strip, you know overall is hard to say but for a race like this i think out of those sort of raced and proven horses in in these sorts of races classic legends the one but then away from that mass crusader is the horse who's kind of fresh on the scene and he he has handled the wet the wet tracks before he's going to be a little bit further back than than classic legend will be but he knows how to he knows how to reel off a finish and like you said this is going to probably be close to a 1400 meter race the way it's run and I think, you know, last time, as much as Mars Crusader was lucky to get that gap to win, I, I'm fairly confident in saying that the, the team and Tommy Berry would have been well aware that that wasn't his grand final. And, you know, had he, had he been unlucky and not gotten out, I don't think they would have been too worried knowing that he's coming into an Everest and he's, he's going well enough. You know what I mean? I think that was... That would have just been sort of a, a necessary lead up to this race. So I think Mars Crusader is one who I'd expect to be finishing off well over the 1400 meters and uh, Classic Legend, obviously. And then Trekking, I think Trekking is going extremely well. Um, he obviously doesn't have the, the heavy track form that some of the other horses do. Um, but I think, yeah, he's... The thing, the, the thing that stood out for me is that last, last year when he ran in this race, he was coming into it backing up on the seven-day backup from Melbourne to Sydney, which is just a dreadful setup. And he was much, much, much shorter than $41. So for me, he's got barrier four, same jockeys aboard as last year, and he's going just as well, if not better. I think he, he probably could have won that race uh, last start if he was a bit luckier. So... At forty-one dollars, I think that's massive overs for trekking. So those are the three that I'm looking at. Beautiful. On that Mask Crusader thing, I love Mask Crusader. I've got, I've put the line through him in this race. However, on the thirtieth of October, it's the Classic Legend Stakes. It's basically the thirteen hundred meter race. 
Jeez, people are calling me. I'm here. What are you doing, mate? Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, what I was going to say, um, yeah, Classique Legend Stakes um, on the 30th of October. There's been two runnings of this race. Both winners have come through the Everest. Classique Legend will not be going to this race. Les Bridge has already come out publicly and saying this is the only race Classique Legend will be running in in spring. Nature Strip will not be going to a 1,300-meter race. Eduardo, even if he does go, won't run 1,300 meters. Geetra probably does go. Um, and then other than that, the race just drops off. Mars Crusader, if he goes to that race, I'll declare him in that race. He's currently $6 in that market. He is so suited to 1,300 meters. If, if that, that's probably his perfect distance. I think 1,200 is almost too short and 14 is too far sometimes, especially at, at the top level, at the top level. He can win group threes and group twos at 1,100 and 1,200 meters. But at the top level, at group one level, which, you know, this race is in group one race, but, you know, it's better than a might group Might as well one. be. It might as well be. Um, anyway, that, that's just an early tip for the subscribers or the listeners or whatever you want to call them. So, easy. Um, let's head on to our competitions. 100 a lot viewer competition. Harrison B, my guy. You got on the board last week with Profondo. Well done, Harrison. Um, we've got to update the current standings. Harry, once again, you're just sitting pretty at the top of the leaderboard of 420. He's got to be there forever, Harry. Good on you, Harry. Uh, Cody Lawson, second with 390. And we've got a new face, Harrison, third with $140. Two people join us this week. We've got Josh Harrison. Shout out to you, Josh. Well done, Josh. Very tough to get on this um, show, but you got on somehow. <laughs> You got hundred dollars to win on incentivize in the Caulfield Cup, and Mitchell Atkinson. Uh, Atkinson, I'm just gonna I just need some water. I'm just really feeling a bit <laughs> frazzled this afternoon. Really caught um, me out there. Yeah, yeah, just you know, thunder, <laughs> a bit thunderstruck. But um, he's got a hundred on Nature Strip to win the Everest. So I'm liking what you put on the table, Mitch. I'm really liking it. What about you, Blake? Do you agree with either of those picks? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, if you want my honest answer. <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, no. get stuff. Yeah, no. <laughs> get stuff. All right, too easy. Um, our $100 competition, JC and Blake. Current standards are standings. I have minus 157. Blake has plus 112. So I'm catching up. I took another like $150 off the pot. Mm. So I'm only, <laughs> my only 250 away about that. So uh, the Caulfield Cup. I'm going $25 each way on Explosive Jack and $25 each way on Young Werther. What about you, Blake? Um, I'm having my main each way bet on the chosen one, $25 each way. He's a horse who's done it before in, in races like he's been very close in races like this before in the Caulfield Cup itself as well, actually. Um, having $10 each way on Chapada at huge odds and $15 each way on Montefilia, who's been flying this prep. Beautiful. In the Kosciuszko, I'm having 50 the win on Handle the Truth. And 50 to win on the Kiwi horse edit. Very similar play for me with uh, the main bet 40 to win on Handle the Truth. And then the two each way bets, which I mentioned before 15 each way on Sunrise Ruby, 15 each way on Mr. Hustle. In the big one, the Everest, I'm having 50 to win on Nature Strip, 25 to win on Classique Legend, and 25 to win on Geetra. I'm going with Classique Legend as my main bet, $50 to win. I think he's the one to beat. He won it last year. $15 each way on Mars Crusader, who's the one who'll be finishing off over the 1,400 metres, and 10 each way on Trekking, who's just well over for me. Beautiful. Those were our Group 1 competitions. Good luck to Josh and Mitchell, as well as Blake and myself. Now we head on to the final furlong of this podcast. Best bets, Blake. Hit us with something. There is one that I am quite keen to see he's run. Gone. I haven't done too much form on the race and I haven't had too much of a look at it, but I've, I've got the mare black booked and I think she has a well above average ability, especially for a benchmark 78. So we're going to race 10 at Ramwick. Uh, it's the current favorite. She's drifted uh, out to $3 now, but she's shown that she can handle the, the heavy going. Uh, it's promise of success to be ridden by Hugh Mogan for the O'Shea team who are absolutely flying this season. Beautiful. Is that, is that all? <laughs> so, that, all right, too easy. Uh, yeah, Blake's with uh, promise of success. Yeah, she's been a bit of a midweek warrior coming over from England, but um, Rosemont Stud have her, and she's yeah, she's very talented, and she deserves a crack at benchmark racing on a Saturday. I will just stick with my trial file this week. Narrowmine race four number two, Mister T. 
can't remember his name, Talbagra or something, but, you know, Cody Nesta, <laughs> Cody Nesta has it. It's the horse in your ring. And you, uh, you, you know, maybe like when the race caller calls it first over the line, I might be able to learn how to pronounce it. But um, the audio is... <laughs> The audio in those Dubbo trials isn't too good. So um, <laughs> I just don't want to say the name and just, you know, offend someone because, you know, we live in 2021. So you know, <laughs> whatever you say is offensive. Demi Lovato. Oh, no, if you're getting offended by horse names, it's, you know, it's too much. <laughs> you can't call an alien an alien anymore, apparently. Well, that's what Demi, <laughs> that's what Demi Lovato said. But um, no, shout out to Demi. She's a big listener to the podcast. Um <laughs> Anyway, we've got to wrap this podcast up. Thank you for joining me once again, Blake. Any plans for this weekend? Not too many, just kicking it and watching the races. For me, it's going to be one of the best uh, weekends of racing that we've got this year. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, oh. it's amazing. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's no tornadoes in the middle of the, in the, middle oh, of the day. No. But, uh... <laughs> like one yesterday at bloody Hong Kong. What, what are oh. the chances? One in three years. I don't even <laughs> Don't even get started. I, I've been I've been doing the form for three years there, and uh, I haven't seen one. I haven't seen the the meeting cancelled from a cyclone. So that's a first for me. But absolutely spewing. I was I was pretty keen on that card as well. But um, but yeah, and I hope hope everyone in Hong okay, and and all the horses are all right, ready for Sunday. So beautiful. Well, on Saturday, I'm just gonna buy the Saturday racing package because we're going for five straight winning weeks. We had a winning week again last week. We're going for the fifth straight winning week this Saturday. And we're having a special Everest runner-by-runner runner preview. Can't wait for that. I'm going to get dig, uh, digging into that uh, tonight and um, tomorrow morning once the rain sort of clears up and I sort of have an understanding of what track we're playing on. So a bit of a runner-by-runner runner preview as well as our famous $100, I guess, staking plan. We, we've done it for the last two Melbourne Cups. I'm bringing it out for the Everest. Um, and we won. I think the first Melbourne Cup, we turned 100 bucks into like 1100 And the other 100 bucks last year, I think we turned into like four or 500 So... You know, if you only want to like, you know, on average, multiply your money by seven, you know where to come. cginfight.com.au or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Campbell's Gambles. Smash the socials. Can't wait. Massive Saturday. Join the Saturday racing package. All right, Blake, I'll leave you to it. Enjoy your night and best of luck on the punt on Saturday, viewers, listeners.